your most mind-altering hour of the week. Hi, you're listening to Shift Happens, and I'm your host, Ina. Are obstacles roadblocks or redirects? How do you know whether something is an obstacle that needs to be overcome or whether that's a sign that you should be doing something else altogether? Paolo Coelho wrote in The Alchemist that when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. And a new age thinking teaches us that we need to follow our bliss, that we need to follow the path of least resistance. When in reality, if we're really honest, often in life, whenever we launch a project or become determined to go after something, a goal, a desire, usually it's very often that an obstacle or a setback is going to come our way. So if we follow the new age thinking, we may interpret obstacles as a sign that the universe is not conspiring, that things that we are doing are not meant to be, and that we should actually abandon our path, that we should forget our desires, that we should let go of all our projects altogether. And this is where I don't agree with this kind of thinking. Because this kind of thinking creates the false expectations that challenges and difficulties are not inherent to success and that we should avoid them by all means. And should we, God forbid, ever be faced with some challenge or a setback or a roadblock um, on our path, we should use that as a sign that the entire path is wrong and capitulate, that we should give up. It gives us the permission to quit. But permission to quit is the last thing that we need. 80% of the people who set New Year's resolutions will fail them by February. So how do you know when obstacles are roadblocks or when they are redirection? I've devoted my life to the study of the science and application of change, large scale and small scale, both social, organizational and individual. And I have learned that there is not one project that is worthwhile that has ever been devoid of roadblocks. Our entire world is shaped by our ability to problem solve. Everything from the chair that I sit on to the device that you are listening this through is an answer to what was once a challenge. Your car, for example, was once someone's obstacle to travel long distance. Your smartphone was once someone's obstacle to communicate with loved ones. The medicine that we have in our cabinets was once uh, someone's disease. So think about it. If all of those people who have helped to shape the world that we live in today, if they all followed the path of least resistance, if all of them were avoiding the obstacles and challenges, none of the comforts that we have today would exist. So my intention with this episode is not only to offer some comfort in times when you're faced with a challenge, my intention is to make you fall in love with roadblocks. And why do I choose to talk about roadblocks? There are two reasons. One is very personal and another one is collective. So on a personal level, if you are wondering, well, what's up with the silence on this channel? 
um, then I'd like to share with you that in, in the past couple of weeks, my technology, my laptop, my desktop computer, my external back drive, backup drive, all of them crashed in, in, in a matter of days. And I've been spending the past weeks uh, trying to reinstall, update, partition, defragmenting, fixing. I was running from one service store to the next, trying to resurrect the old. But the answer that I kept getting remained one and the same. The old is dead and cannot be resurrected. My prevalent emotion in the past few weeks as you can imagine, was uncertainty. And, you know, uncertainty is a really uh, not nice feeling. It feels like standing on shifting grounds. It feels like you're trying to navigate through a maze without a map, trying to, to, to navigate through the dark without light. It's that nagging doubt in the back of your mind where you're questioning whether your decisions are all uh, leading you in the wrong direction. And it, this, says, this takes so much energy, it leaves you so incomplete and in search for answers which just seem out of reach. Trying uh, to find solutions, but actually what we're doing, we're trying to find solutions from the same level of awareness that created them, um, which never works, as we know. And I love this quote from Jason Silva, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little where he says that depression and anxiety are temporal dislocation. So depression is your past over-determining your present, where anxiety is your future over-determining your present. Uncertainty for me is a mix of both, a mix of anxiety and depression. It's a tightrope walk between the past and the future, between regret and worry. And on a collective level, we are currently faced with more challenges and obstacles than perhaps ever before in history. Tensions over trade, global and over, uh, over global influence, the changing of political landscapes, uh, Russia's actions in Ukraine, the conflicts in the Middle East, changes in the energy production, climate change. All of these things are currently are circling around in our uh, environment. This is the context that we live in. And things are not about to slow down. In the upcoming five years, futurists are um, warning us that we need to start preparing for a significant global change. According to Ray Dalio, which is the writer of The Changing World Order, the times ahead will be notably distinct from the experiences we've encountered in our lifetime so far. From drastic changes in the landscape of global interactions and the reconfiguration of power dynamics among nations in response to various historical, political and eco economical factors, the world that is coming is not something that we can foresee. None of us now can say with confidence what the future will bring. But there is one thing that we can be confident about, and that is the unpredictability of things. If history is the best predictor of future, we can already predict that our future will be full of surprises and uncertainty. And a research by the American Psychiatric Association shows that people are much more anxious about 2023 
than they have ever been in about a years before. Two in five people are now considering therapy in 2023, which has doubled from the years before. So if you are asking those people, well, why are you so anxious and what is your main source of anxiety? Um, the uncertainty about 2023 is among the top two reasons reported by people. So uncertainty is the main cause of anxiety. As the traditional structures of society are rapidly changing in our postmodern world, the increasing signs of anxiety, you can easily recognize them in all our cultural and artistic expressions. All you need to do is just go through Instagram or go through the self-help section on Amazon and you can read the collective dis-ease and angst all over the covers of those books. Be here now, escape the red race, slow down, Get into the fast lane, think smart, grow rich, downsize, upskill. Why are we so determined to perfect ourselves? Why are we defragmenting ourselves to death? Why are we upgrading and improving like never before? The self-improvement obsession, this optimization movement, this wellness syndrome, this self-help overfixation, and even the psychedelic hype are all a collective cry, in my opinion. They're all saying that the world needs us at our best. But we are either not able or we feel that we're not able to live up to that demand. And for many of us, let's face it, despair, disconnection, doubt, and fatigue are actually a day-to-day -day reality. Many of us are indeed currently at our worst. And isn't that ironic? For one of the first time in the human history, over the past decade, we gained access to all of these techniques, all of these traditions, technologies, tools, processes, methodologies that are catalyzing so many of us to have unprecedented progress and breakthroughs. Yet, what if it's the very same things that are also responsible for our own demise? We specialize in feeding ourselves and other people into the mouth of the never good enough beast. And I am uh, a culprit of that myself. I have spent most of my life reviewing myself and seeing myself actually as a project, exposing all the secret places where my inner victim was still waiting to be liberating, liberated, connecting the dots, reclaiming all the parts of my sum. When are we finally done? Uncertainty is the bedrock of anxiety. Um, and it's the roadblock to our happiness. So how can we navigate uncertainty with grace? How can we stop seeing uncertainty as an obstacle and start seeing the seeds of our triumph in our change, in our challenges? We're at a pivotal moment, I feel, in history. We're mastering change and navigating the uncertainty that is inherent to change will become one of the most valuable assets and skills of our time. So what can we learn from my 20 years of working in change, or better even, from decades and centuries uh, of history, from the historical figures who have demonstrated the impeccable ability to face challenges with courage? While we are looking to 
learn for a way to overcome obstacles, Marcus Aurelius, for example, taught us that obstacles are not there for us to overcome. They are there for us to become them. So it is not about uh, the getting the obstacles out of the way, but that actually obstacles are the way. And this is such a huge difference. It's a small shift in our perspective, but makes a huge difference in how we approach challenges in life. So take your current challenge. What's your biggest roadblock at the moment? And think about how much energy are you investing in trying to overcome it? And instead, what if you invested that energy in becoming the problem rather than overcoming the problem? What if your current challenge is the way? How can you view your challenge as the way? The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. These are the words of Marcus Aurelius. And I would love to hear from you. Please share your challenges in the comments and let's together unravel the roadmap in your roadblock. Finding the way an obstacle um, is a discipline and it takes three critical steps. So it, became, it, it begins, of course, always with the way we look at a specific problem. Dane Wires used to say that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And then the second part is about our dedication and creativity in, uh, with which we can approach challenges so as to turn them into opportunities. And finally, it's about our inner willpower to keep showing up even when the going gets tough or especially when the going gets tough. It's our ability to juggle perception, action and will that will determine how successful we are in turning roadblocks into roadmaps. But sometimes it may seem as if there's something standing in that ability, in our ability to see our challenges as opportunities or seeing them as the way, as Marcus Aurelius was teaching. And I call these uh, things that are standing in the way, I call them the four horsemen of change. D despair, resistant, wishful thinking and psychological hoarding. Let's go through each one of them briefly. Because I believe that in recognizing them, um, you'll be able to outpace them. So for those of you who are wondering, the four horsemen um, are actually a metaphor that is being used in the Testament and uh, it depicts the end of time. Um, mainly uh, they are conquest, war, hunger and death. Um, the Gottman Institute used a similar metaphor to describe communication styles that, according to their research, can predict the end of a relationship. So I am borrowing, actually, this um, metaphor to describe the four coping styles that are preventing us from meeting adversity with grace and from making changes easily. So let's start with the first one, the first horseman, which is despair. Uh, I once read this uh, very interesting column written by Rebecca Solnit in The Guardian, where she said uh, something along the following lines. Um, despair is a 
delusion of confidence that asserts that it knows what's coming. So we don't know what's coming. And to assert that we do is a delusion. And that's what leads to despair. Where are you telling yourself that you know what's coming? Where are you telling yourself that you already know that something is not going to work out? Where are you telling yourself that's, that you are doomed? How does the defeatist in you run your life? Where is the saboteur that is disguised like a protector trying to convince you that it was meant to be this way, that, that if things were meant to work out, they would have been a lot easier. Wendell Phillips said that defeat is nothing but education, nothing but the first step to something better. Benjamin Franklin wrote that the things that hurt instruct. So take our geopolitical and economical challenge. Ultimately, we're talking about a shift towards a healthier, happier, more mindful and environmentally friendly, maybe even a more socially inclusive society. We, we don't know what the future is going to bring and we cannot be confident about it. But we can use our present to inform our next step. So if you're feeling anxiety or uncertainty or are faced with uh, challenges, this is not a sign that you should quit and should try to find uh, a path that has less resistance. Challenge is a test of our courage and determination. And anxiety to me is the testament that something really actually matters to you. So if that's, that's not a path of least resistance, then I don't know what is. So how does my own current despair inform my next step? For the coming couple of weeks, of course, I am aware that I will not be able to show up and keep producing this podcast at the same speed as I, as I would like to, and I would not be as consistent as I'm trying to be. And I can let this worry become a roadblock for my performance and drive me into despair, which it has actually done a little. Or I can use this temporary imposed uh, slowdown, uh, kind of an imposed uh, ca quarantine, and ask myself, well, how is this present moment trying to inform a better future for me? I have always wanted to be more mobile. I wanted to work remotely. And um, I also always wanted to have, uh, you know, the intention or the goodness that is in... Um, the, the content that I have for my content to be reflected in the quality of the output. But at the moment, my equipment is so old-fashioned and it's so archaic that um, that's kind of standing in the way of me being able to, to do my best. And ultimately, of course, this setback is my opportunity to upgrade my technology to something that is more reflective of the current day and age um, uh, progress to something that will help me operate more efficiently. But why have I in God's name not yet jumped into that and I kept trying to uh, revive the past, I kept trying to salvage my technology, kept trying to, to save my computers my and my hard drive? Well, because deep down inside, I still believe that I had, um, I had 
to have things the way I always used to do them. And that what I had actually was already good enough. I mean, it's been working for all this time. So this brings me to the second horseman, which is resistance. What do you think is the biggest hurdle that any organization or team uh, trying to run a change project is uh, faced with overcoming? The biggest part of an organizational change management plan focuses not on managing the change itself, but on managing the reluctance of the people who are meant to adopt the change. And when we're talking about mobilizing 200,000 people in an organization such as uh, one of the big four, for example, resistance becomes a significant collective hurdle to manage. On an individual level, I don't believe in such things as a fear of failure. I don't believe in lack of talent, lack of time, lack of motivation, uh, self-sabotage or procrastination. I believe that those are all stories that we tell ourselves trying to beat around the bush of resistance. Stephen Pressfield, the author of The War of Art, said that overcoming resistance is more important than having talent. And let's face it, how many of us have, are actually very good at what we do? Many of us actually have talent, but we don't put work and follow through because of resistance. Resistance, I believe, is the shadow aspect of our ambition. Carl Jung defined the shadow as the negative side of the ego, it, like uh, he described it like our inner devil or the personification of all evil within us. Likewise, resistance is the negative side of taking action. So then if we look at Jungian psychology, we also already find the helpful tools to help us manage resistance, which is the same process as managing the shadow. And that is by making the unconscious conscious. Because if you don't, Jung taught us, it will direct our life and we will call it fate. So what does resistance sound like? Resistance sounds like I must keep things the way they are. I must change nothing. Do normal, want dan doe je gek genoeg is a saying that Dutch have and which means be normal because then you're already being crazy enough. So resistance to change is a normal psychological reaction. It is how our brains are hardwired. And some of it, of course, stems from psychological needs, some from sociological needs. And of course, some are reasons such as um, that we may not, not like the practical effect that the change will have on us. So when it comes to neurological needs we can think of things such as certainty or routine and certainty sounds like well I really don't know what to expect and routine sounds sounds like uh, something like I mentioned before is this is how I've always done things psychological needs are related to self-esteem or to control so for example am I good enough am I going to be able to uh, face what's coming I don't want to fail or when it comes to control is I don't have a choice. I didn't, I didn't decide to make this, uh, to, to encounter these obstacles. When it comes to social 
uh, needs. Uh, resistance may sound like, well, well, what will other people think of me? So when, when progress was eluding me and it seemed like I will never be able to make it anymore, things uh, such as this podcast, for example, took eternally to create. Um, I cursed, of course, and condemned my life and I wanted to let go of my dreams. I wanted to stop doing what I'm doing, listen to that voice which told me, well, you're not good enough, you're not consistent enough, you're not inspiring enough, you see? Even the tools don't work with you anymore. Take it as a sign from the universe that this is not meant to be because if it was meant to be, the universe would conspire to help you. Which brings me to the third horseman of change, and that is wishful thinking. Mainstream thinking is teaching us that we need to follow the bliss and the path of least resistance, but the science of change management teaches us that the road to success is paved with resistance. And just because it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Actually, on the contrary, challenges are a test of courage. Obstacles are a test of our determination. So, what about the fourth horseman of change? I call it the psychological hoarding. For me, it was about letting go. You know, it, it, it looked like having to let go of my belongings, having to let go of my equipment, of my hard drives, of my laptops. And for those of you who don't know me, I am not at all materialistic. I have no issues with letting go of anything that I that I have. But when it uh, comes to letting go of my technology and my equipment, this is not a change I was able to make or I still I'm still struggling to make. Because when it comes to these things, I'm, I'm an actual, um, actually I'm a bastion of loyalty. Because my gadgets, my car, my bike, my software all have been in my life for over a decade. And even though the world kept progressing, uh, I kept trying to operate from outdated tools. I kept trying to sustain progress on archaic ruins. And, um, you know, this act, the act of letting it go, the fact that it all died and it's time to let it all go, it may sound liberating, but for me, it felt like tearing the skin from my flesh. Because that silly hard drive that may seem insignificant to some for me it contains treasures it it had uh, graphics uh, films logos files uh, books that i've written all of the relics of my sweat and tears of over two decades and now they're all gone so what am i learning from my own teachings or for my own lessons is that it's time to surrender that I don't have a choice and then wasting any more energy in ruminating about the past and worrying about what might have been or how I could have done things differently to protect those and how I could have made extra backup after backup I see it as a sign that life 
um, is giving me and that the seed of my progress is actually in my challenge. I let my life strip of what I was and in the process of trying to make peace with all of that, as well as trying to make space of what's to come. It, it feels, it looks like I'm being forced to renew everything. It looks like I'm being forced to renew my technology, but also my value system, my identity, my channels, everything is up for revision. It's not a comfortable position. But, you know, the diamonds are being made under pressure. So I, left, I let myself be stripped down to basics. And this concludes this episode where I wanted to introduce you to the four horsemen of change because awareness, they say, is 80% of the work already. And I hope that in being aware of which horseman is plaguing you at the moment, you might be able to outpace him and uh, open yourself up for finding the way in your challenge. If you found this useful, please give me a thumbs up by subscribing or following this channel. And in the next episode, I'm looking to contemplate the principles of change. Thank you and have a good week.